And welcome to Detention, where we might not have the best fluidity when speaking, but we do so with passion. Oh, yeah. Yep. And also, just a quick shout out to uh, all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day on this, at least in Iowa, rainy, distant thundercloud, dreary day. Like pretty much every other day for the past two months. Yeah. (laughs) It's been getting a little bit nicer. And yesterday was awesome, but... Lo and behold, it won't continue. Yep. Okay. So, we're going to start off the top here again with some dad jokes. It's me today. Uh-huh. All right. What did one hat say to the other? Um, I'm not sure. Stay here. I'm going to go on ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you. Um... Why did Peter Pan, or why is Peter Pan always flying? He likes to get high. I don't know. Uh, Because he never lands. Nice. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I did like that one. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. Made you think. Yeah. Good throwback to the good old days. Sure. Have you heard about the theories of Peter Pan? That, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure they're true. That he is the actual, like, villain of the entire fairy oh, tale. Oh, not that one. Oh, okay. I've just heard the theory that it's Neverland and the Lost Boys are kids who have died. Yeah, and he's like the Reaper of Souls is yeah. what I've heard. And then like Captain Hook is like an escaped Lost Boy that's like trying to save the children's souls and stuff. Yeah, and get them. Yeah. Nice dark twist. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. So starting off with sports again. Um football segment there's not too much going on for football that at least we care about to talk about yeah um one big thing that i saw was that tyron matthew is signing with the saints uh he's been on the chiefs since he was drafted i think right no he's he's bounced around has he yeah uh he because i remember him going to the chiefs was a huge deal but i don't think it was straight out of lsu i'm pretty sure he was at i think he was in texas for a while the Houston's, not Houston's, not the Houston's, Houston's, the Texans, the Texans, <laughs> um, the Texas Houston's, you know, yeah, the Texas Houston's. <laughs> I just thought it was uh, interesting. I know that the Saints were pretty dog shit on defense this past yeah. season, so this kind of helps out a little bit. Um, I also saw that they're having a pretty stout Sorensen. Isn't Sorensen who was also on the Chiefs going to the Saints? I don't know about that one. Um, I thought I saw that somewhere too, but just I think they are having an amazing off season. Off season. It, it'll be interesting to see, especially because like their defense is definitely improved, but their offense is where it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Again, I don't know how James Winston's going to be coming back from injury. I mean, he did pretty good last year, but yeah, the injury is yeah. definitely going to play a factor. It can't be worse than going thirty and thirty, like thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. It could. It could be worse than that. Well, it could, but I don't think he will be worse than that. <laughs> We'll see. Um, also, kind of speaking of former Chiefs players, uh, there was a little bit of a dispute between DJ Metcalf and Tyreek Hill within last week. Did you see it? No. Um, so DJ Metcalf made the offhanded comment, I think on some podcast or something, saying that he would uh, be able to outrun Tyreek Hill. In a foot race? Do you think you would? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 
exact opposite body types. Yeah, he has bigger strides, but Tyreek Hill it's is gonna, super fast. I mean, if you play it like the Usain Bolt argument of like, yeah, he'll you'll get beat in the first maybe 15 meters. After that, the length is what's going to really bring Metcalf into it. I just thought it was funny. Obviously, they're not actually beefing about it. But um, Metcalf said that he believes that he could beat Tyreek Hill in a one-on-one race. And then Hill immediately shot back with saying that put your money where your mouth is. And he says, I will offer or will offer up to $50,000 on the line for a charity of your choice on the race. Nice. Which, yeah, I mean, that's... Let's make it happen. What's what's the damage there between right. two... Pride. Yeah, just pride, <laughs> I guess. I mean, okay, so I spend $50,000 going to a charity of whatever choice you have. Like, right. that's not a bad thing. I think it's funny um, that Tyreek Hill is taking a little bit of offense to it. I mean, he's known as being the fastest wide receiver in the league, but... Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, because there are videos of DJ Metcalf running, and he just blows people out of the water, too. He's just got those big legs, man. Yeah. And he's a freaking brick wall. Um, Nothing but muscle. And then DJ Metcalf shared uh, their DMs that they had on Instagram, where after Tyreek Hill made that statement, DJ Metcalf was kind of laughing at him, saying, call me out when I'm in a boot, because he had foot surgery. So who knows if he gets fully healthy, if he'll be able to do it or not. But I would like to see it. Yeah, it'd be good. If the NFL could do like a quick little like, Special for that during the preseason games. I think that'd be a fun little thing to oh, have. Oh, yeah. Bring viewers in a little bit. Uh, then the last thing for sports, it's uh, or for football, college football specifically, is the ruling for Scott Frost came back on his NCAA violations, um, where he is going to be suspended for five games. And it's given him a one-year showcase ruling. And from what I understand, it's a penalty to an administrative person on a football team. It's a punishment that um, basically orders the coach found guilty of whatever violations that they had done. Um, And it will stay in effect for at least a full year, which is the um, direct ruling. So for the people who don't know, what did... Scott Frost, do. Um, From what I've heard, it was that they were allowing um, their special teams, which is odd enough because their special teams is absolute horseshit, um, to be viewing different formations, um, tape on other teams and what they do for special teams to give them an edge. And he claims that he had no knowledge of it at all but you're the head coach come on let's be real it's not just the special teams coach that's involved with you know running certain parts of the team it is the head coach also oversees a lot of stuff so from my understanding that's what the actual violation was and it occurred a few years ago and a lot of people have been laughing online a lot of sports commentators saying that even when they cheat they suck I mean, their special teams has been horrible, and that's literally the reason why they've lost so many games the last couple of years. They need all the edge they can get. Yeah, and apparently that edge is not nearly enough because um, that was what happened with Iowa this past season when Iowa was getting blown out by them. Their special teams took a shit, and Iowa was able to capitalize and come back and win in the end. There's a list of um, 
different penalties that Nebraska is going to have. So the one-year extension to the current probationary period through April 2023 for Scott Frost, uh, a fine of $10,000, um, five-day suspension for all coaching duties um, for the championship segment of the 22 football season, a reduction in the number of football countable coaches by one or two days of practice during the spring season. And then all non-coaching staff members will be removed from practice and competition for five consecutive days during the championship segment of the 22 season. So, and that's where the five game suspension is basically where he's not going to be able to be on the field for five games, which, you know, I don't know what their first three non-conference games are. Those should be lock-in wins, you would think. But I think they play Oklahoma for one of them. That's definitely not going to be a win. So the one thing that I would like to see more, or I would, I let me rephrase that. On top of that, would be that he doesn't get paid for those games. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting too. Well, to me, in any um, reprimand that people have in sports, where they're like, "Oh, you can't coach this game, or you can't play this game," okay, they get a week off. How do they you charge yeah. them money for it? Yeah. If you don't play, you don't get paid. Or you don't coach, you don't get paid. You're not doing your job. That's fair enough. That would be, I think, another thing that I'm sure they considered it. Oh, probably. But. Um, it would deter people. I mean, for him, I'm sure $10,000 fine is Exactly. Nothing. That, and that's my point. It's like, okay, here you go. I make that in the commercial. Done. Yep. Right. All right, so that finishes up basketball, like I or not basketball, football. <laughs> My mind's going everywhere today. Uh, football, moving into basketball. Yeah, let me take care of this one. Yeah, let's see if I'm less tongue-tied. Uh, just three topics that I wanted to touch today is three different players: Ben Simmons, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. So I'll just go in that order. Um, so touching on the Ben Simmons situation, I have just a couple things. I found a um, video from Stephen A. Smith talking about Ben Simmons. And all my touching points are exactly from that and the things that he had touched on. And because you had pointed out to me that Ben Simmons hasn't been playing even since he's been traded. Yep. Um, little info on the Ben Simmons situation. He got traded from Philadelphia where he didn't want to be because, long story short, they were criticizing his play last year in the finals. Mm-hmm. Well, not the finals, but the Eastern Conference finals. So he didn't want to play on the team anymore, sat out the majority of the year, got traded to the Nets, practiced with them a little bit, but still didn't play a single game the whole season. Yeah. Still and getting paid as a kind of regular player. I mean, he was getting fines for not He He doing was getting his things. contract money, but to an extent, um, Philly was uh, docking him pay for not playing yeah. or practicing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because he cited mental health issues on his side as why he couldn't play or practice, which specifically with the 76ers. Right. And yeah. I think that's complete crap. Like, if it's true, fine. But I don't think that I, I've known people, and I am one person who does have crippling depression, and I know people who do have crippling mental health issues. And it can take you out for a while, it doesn't take you out for nine months. I've never heard of anyone where it takes them out for nine months unless they're going somewhere to get help. Some people, I'm sure, have different reactions to it. Right. I, I don't know what his actual circumstance is mentally. 
And um, I, however, I you would you trapped. would think in some point during that period having help because I know the team was offering like here we will actually help you and he denied help. Yep. Wasn't that a point? Yep. It wasn't even, it wasn't the beginning of this year. I think it was still sometime last fall where the team offered, hey, we will actually help hook you up with some psychologists and get you through this. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no. Yep. So I'm sure there is a lot of battling internally of like you have to get beyond that point too of like I probably should have some type of help before actually getting the help. Um, but yeah, not being able, not choosing not to play for an entire season, mm -hmm. um, requesting a trade based off your performance in the playoffs last season. I understand there was a point where he should have made an easy layup and he gave it away and that person missed a shot and time was out, yep. right? In a critical game. Yep. So I can understand getting shit for that. You're a professional basketball player. This is not the first time you've gotten shit for right. playing a game. So. And when he got traded to the Nets, his reasoning for not playing for the Nets was he had back issues. Yeah. Which is fair. You know, back problems happen. Mm -hmm. um, he had surgery recently. He'll be out, what they suspect, three to four months. My personal guess is I'm going to say he's going to be out for five or six because he's going to say, oh, my rehab's not right. Yeah. Um, also, and, how is his back messed up if he hasn't played? You know, it's really funny you say that because that was my next point. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, another thing. He, he's been critiquing the Nets, mainly Kyrie and Ben Simmons, for like a year and a half. Yeah. And he actually brought up in another video that I saw, he doesn't like to question people's personal issues because, you know, that's their own personal problems. But he says, I will bring this up with Ben Simmons. He hasn't done anything all year. How is his back hurt? Did he get hurt on the Jersey Turnpike driving? Mm -hmm. Like, you didn't, haven't done anything. How do, you, how do you have a back problem and then need surgery now for three to four months? It's just really fishy to me. Yeah. Um, but going back to uh, the video, the first video that I was talking about with Stephen A. Smith is um, going to the payment process. So he's filing a grievance with Philly to get $20 million back that they didn't pay him. Um, so in the, in the video, Stephen A was saying that he, he doesn't like it because Ben Simmons quit on LSU. He quit on Philly and now he's not showing up for Brooklyn. And this was still during the season when they were in the playoffs playing. Yeah. Um, he filed the $20 million grievance for the money that Stephen A. believes he doesn't, he did not earn, which I agree with. Um, this is a quote saying he ain't going to war. He ain't going into the octagon. He isn't going into the boxing ring. It's pulling teeth to get this man to play basketball. Okay. This is, this is a basketball player who lives to play basketball and he is not doing the one thing that he wants quote unquote to do. Yeah. And then um, Stephen A. finished up saying, when the owners go to a pay-for-play stipulation, he believes it's going to be called the Ben Simmons rule, which I would love to see. Because to me, mm. it makes no sense to have these athletes paid the way they, they are. Very lucratively. Right. Yeah. And they can sit out and still get paid. Because Kyrie is um, notorious for doing that, too. Um, yeah, he did that with Boston. He did right? that with Philly. Or not Philly. Um, the Nets. Yeah. Um, so... Ben Simmons, I have a huge problem with him. I've never liked him as a player. These are some of the reasons why. But I'm going to move on to James Harden. Yeah. Uh, another player I don't like. Different Nets player. Um, he was the trade with Ben Simmons. So 
He was on the net. Uh, James Harden was on the Nets. Went to the Sixers. Had a really good five game stretch. That was their honeymoon phase, and then it all went to shit like it normally does with James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a quote, and I couldn't find it, so I don't know how accurate it is, but I do find it interesting, and it made me dive into this. Um, I, I saw a thing that said he was complaining that he was tired of no one else on his team showing up and have him having to carry his teammates through the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you've never carried – like, yes, he's carried teams, but – You've not done stuff in the playoffs. Like, you're not LeBron James who's carried a shitty team to the finals and won. Or even to the finals. You've never made it past the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah. Um, So, I looked, and we talked last week about him, our predictions of with Embiid being out two games, how it would be. I said he would be 0-2. Sure shit, they were 0-2. Yeah. I broke down their numbers in game one and two. And so, combined, on average, he's playing 38 minutes averaging 18 points his plus minus average is minus nine which is terrible field goal percentage is 39 percent three point is 25 free throw he hasn't missed one so that's good at least um he has six and a half rebounds seven assists zero steals 0.5 blocks four turnovers and 2.5 personal fouls in the first two games without him beat you add in the third game and then some of his numbers improved. So you add all three games together, the one with Embiid in there, 38 minutes a game, uh, 17.67 points, uh, field goal percentage of 38%, three point of 21, still hasn't missed a free throw. Um, then he is seven rebounds, a little under seven assists, about one block a game, five turnovers, and three personal fouls. So then I compared that to his um, his career averages, right? Mm-hmm. And the ones I want to point out are his points. So he's averaging in the three games. I'll just go with the two games without Embiid. With the two games without Embiid, he's averaging 18 points. His career average is 24.7, 29.7 when he is in that stint with Houston. Yeah. So huge drop off. Then his field goal percentage was 39 compared to his 44 then 25% for three-point compared to his 36. So he's been dropping off there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of his averages are very similar to the first two games. But he was brought in to be a scorer, to be an option. And just looking at his career averages to the first two games, he's dropped off six points. I mean, when I was looking at it, he was the fourth leading scorer on the team. Yeah. And he's talking like he's the number one option. Yeah. So in the first two games that I was looking at before the third game was played and they actually won that one because Embiid was back, um, yeah, he was fourth in scoring on his own team and – Doing horrible. With them beat out, your next best scorer, I think, is Tyrese Maxey, who is a second-year player. Um, and he's a good player, but... Yeah, I mean, Tobias Harris was, from when I looked at it, ahead of him. They're basically even. Yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. almost all categories. And in fact, um, obviously, because he's a power forward, he's going to be down more in the lane more often than... Harden is, but Tobias has more rebounds. Um, 
Most of the steals. rebounds that James Harden has are long rebounds because he doesn't go into the paint. Yeah. He doesn't play defense. That's one of the biggest knocks against him. And this one of the reasons I don't like him is because he doesn't play defense. Yeah. So the mentality of him, you know, seemingly blaming his team for not being successful. Dude, it's you. I oh, mean, it, everywhere he goes. All the other guys are doing their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not. Well, it's from funny. Comparative to what you had earlier in your career. This is the last thing I'll say about James Harden before I move over to Kyrie. But I think it's funny that when he was in Houston with Chris Paul, he moved – he wanted Chris Paul gone to bring in Russell Westbrook to think it would be better. Yeah. And then you look at what Chris Paul is doing now, and he's 37, and James Harden is maybe 32. So – Yeah, something like that. It's – it's not your players. It's you, bro. I remember seeing that, too, how he was requesting to have Chris Paul trade because he's too old and he's fading off. And then now we are. Both of them are still playing, and Chris Paul is arguably just as good as he's ever been. Oh, easily. And James Harden is the one that's falling off. Yeah. Yep. So moving on to Kyrie, um, I think Kyrie, like I said last week, it was the Nets' problem this year. Um, and my reasoning for it is – with him refusing to get the vaccine um, and just how he does whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it because it is what he wants to do, it caused a lack of cohesiveness this year. Um, there were other things that were involved, like Joe Harris, one of their best three-point shooters, was out during an injury. Um, Kevin Durant got injured for a good uh, stint, so James Harden was having to carry the team on his back. But, you know – Kyrie refusing to get the vaccine. You know what, dude? That's your choice. You know what? I can't blame you for making that choice on your own. That's that's fine. But then don't go into the playoffs because he said in the playoffs that this team just can't play together. Like, they haven't found a groove. Well, no shit. You haven't played all season. Yeah. And then when you finally were able to because they lifted the uh, vaccine mandate. Well, so he – he was technically allowed to play away games yeah. where cities weren't enforcing that, but Brooklyn didn't let him do that. So he didn't play until like game 50 or 60 when they finally uh, loosened the mandate in New York. So then he was finally able to play again, but then he still didn't play every now and again. Then the playoffs came. He was able to play every game. He wasn't in the right shape. Um, Again, with the cohesiveness with the team, it's like, well, yeah, no shit. No no shit the Nets did not do what they should have done this year because you didn't help the situation. Yeah. I don't trust Kyrie's um, philosophy on science at all. Oh, I don't either. Because he's a flat earther. Yeah. So he, he, for whatever reason, thinks that the earth is a floating disc in the sky. So based on that, Okay, yeah. Right. I'm not surprised that you also don't want to take a vaccine, but you're not also willing it, willing to take it just to you know, help your team. Right. And, again, that's his personal choice. I can't knock his personal choice. My biggest issue, though, is just that Kyrie always does what he wants to do without any he, – he won't take the consequences of his own actions. Like, uh, with the Nets being not great this year, a good portion of that's on him, but he won't take that blame. And do you think that kind of started sometime when he tri- was moving from Cleveland to Boston? Because I feel oh, like yeah, when probably. he was in, I feel like when he was in Cleveland, he was not that type of person. And then all of a sudden, he starts playing in Boston, where you know he is the quote unquote LeBron of the 
team, right? Yeah. He's obviously the best player one. and the gifted um, shooter on that team that all of a sudden he gets this fat head of like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. LeBron could do it in Cleveland. Why can't I do it here? Right. It, it could have been, but I don't know. That's what I wanted to touch on on sports. Yeah. And then we're going to finish up the whole sports part with just two quick Iowa basketball updates. Um, the Utah Valley transfer, Fardaz Amik, um, I'm sure I'm still pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, he chose Texas Tech over Iowa. Um, actually, he said that he will go to Texas Tech if he's not selected in the NBA draft. So it's either he's going to the NBA or I'm going to Texas Tech. So Iowa's out for him. And then the Louisiana Rage and Cajun uh, transfer, Theo, Theo Akuba, who was um, between Ole Miss and Iowa, uh, chose Ole Miss. So two big men that would have been really beneficial for the Hawks uh, this season and kind of moving Rabacha out of the number five spot into a more comfortable maybe two, uh, four or three position doesn't land. So hopefully sometime during this offseason they can work somebody in from the transfer portal if Fran McCaffrey is capable of doing that so that they have a little bit more um, size size in this inside because that's, I think, what really kind of put the Iowa team kind of really down compared to a lot of other Big, 12, or Big Ten teams. We always say that we're going to shorten up sports, and we always – Managed to get about 20 minutes in. Well, that's good. Yeah. 20 minutes for about each segment. Well, there's, Sports, there's news, and then miscellaneous yeah. entertainment. Well, we wanted to get to politics quickly because we do actually – well, politics and news because we do have actually quite a bit to talk about, um, especially this first uh, topic is going to be a little bit longer, but we do have more after that that hopefully will be a little bit shorter. But let's, let's hit this big one first. Um, so the – House committee or commission for the January 6th insurrection um, are adding three other GOP names that they're coming in or they want to come in for hearings and questionings. Um, The uh, GOP senators are Brooks, Briggs, and Jackson, um, all believing to have some type of either information or connection to the January 6th insurrection. Um, so it would be Mo Brooks of Alabama, Andy Briggs of Arizona, and then Ronnie Jackson of Texas. Um, they're ultra-right House Freedom Caucus members um, in recent years alleged themselves or aligned themselves with Trump. Um, basically, they want them to come to Congress to testify their involvement um, direct conversations they had with then-President Donald Trump um, as he was basically challenging the 2020 election results and trying to overturn the um, counting process. So three new people coming in to get interviewed. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I don't know. I'm just... Yeah, I... I hate the whole January 6th topic. It's just so frustrating. Hmm. But this this next topic just irritates the crap out of me. The Supreme Court um, leak that just happened. Let's talk about that before we hit on okay. my favorite senator. Yeah. So within the – was it this past week? Okay. This past week, 
Um, there was a kind of first draft written of if the you don't potential. know this already, there's a problem. You're living under a rock. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, there's a potential of the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision from 1973 being overturned. I'd say it's more probable than potential. It is definitely. Um, Way more probable. It was written, the first draft was written by Justice Alito, who is very conservative, um, and basically wanting or at least writing an argument for why Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional and that it does not actually um, line up with the 14th Amendment of um basically your own individual privacy and being able to do what you want with your own autonomy as a person. So there was a leak and they're trying to, at this point, from my understanding, Roberts is trying to have a investigation done to figure out who the leak came from, but it was leaked to Politico and then Politico ran the story that the Supreme court is actually trying or potentially going to make a ruling on this overturning Roe v. Wade. Yeah, so I about forgot about my screenshot that I did, so I pulled it up because this is definitely something I wanted to talk about with the Supreme Court. Um, We've talked about this before. I think I might have mentioned on the podcast, but the thing that frustrates me about the Supreme Court is it is supposed to be people who push their personal beliefs aside and look at the law and say, is this morally and ethically right legally? Yeah. And so back in 1992, uh, there was another case. uh, I can't remember what it was right now, but it used Roe v. Wade as a precedent to make that comparison to the case. Mm -hmm. And there was three conservative um, justices on the court Kennedy, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, and David Souter. And they wrote a joint opinion that affirmed the essential holding of Roe, even with some ambivalence. Okay, And this was written by them, so I'm just going to do it word for word. It is decently long. Um, Men and women of good conscience can disagree, and we suppose some always shall disagree, but the profound moral and spiritual implications implications of terminating a pregnancy even in its earliest stages some of us as individuals find abortion offensive to our most basic principles of morality but that cannot control our decision our obligation is to define the liberty of all not to mandate our own moral code these were three conservative justices on the court yeah and they understood that even though we disagree with the action itself we cannot police people to our own moral code because we find it wrong. That's exactly what that should be. But yet we have these justices now that are politically appointed mm-hmm. rather than appointed because they can do the job. And so I know Justice Roberts has been saying that now people are going to question the legitimacy yes of the court and there's good reason for it because of this shit right here 30 years ago 20 years ago i guess 
we had justices who could put aside their moral beliefs to look at the law and say, this is right or this is not right. That was 30 years ago. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you were right the first time. God damn it. I mean, I feel so old. It's fine. But now, today, everything is so polarizing that even the Supreme Court justices have to go with, oh, I have to go with my party. No, you don't. You are not elected by a party. You are elected by a president. Yes, who is a part of a party. But they need to look at their their background and say, can this person do the job? Which is what we talked about with uh, the Supreme Court. Um, what? Whoever Biden. What's the word? Oh, I'm Katanji. For? Yeah. Nomination. Thank you. Nomination. Yeah. It's just it blows my mind, man. Again, it keeps going back to what seemingly um, is coming more and more apparent that it's not so much of the religious or political aspect of abortion. It's just more of wanting to control women's lives and their health surrounding women. I mean, it just it seems like that's the case, right? Where we feel that it's immoral to um, terminate a pregnancy, even in the case of incest or rape, um, which are extremely traumatizing events for women to go through, that why would they have to be subject to carrying a baby to term and just be constantly reminded of that torment? It's not about morality. It seems to just be about wanting to control women's lives and their reproductive There's also rights. a connection to religion there. I'm not going to get into that because religion can be good. It can be bad depending on what you're using it for. And I was seeing um, different <clears throat> lawmakers from Washington who are all, no shocking surprise Republican saying that they are wanting to, after this is finished, push it even further of like uh, women can only be on birth control if they're in a relationship that like married certified by marriage and that some of them are calling to outlaw condoms. And this goes, and I, again, I'm not trying to attack religion, but it goes towards their religious beliefs because God doesn't want people to use contraception. He wants people to be children of Christ and children of God. And they're doing this religiously, uh, motivated and it's bonkers. It, it like you can have your beliefs. That's perfectly fine, but you should not be legalizing your beliefs on somebody else. You should not be pushing your beliefs legally onto somebody else. Like the only, the, the thing that I think people on the right think that pro choice is, is pro abortion. And that's not entirely the case for me. Right. I'm a guy. I can't have a baby. That is what it is, but I am pro choice. Do I think abortions are great? Do I think they're awesome? Do I think they should be your number one option? No. But that's not for somebody to tell me what I can and cannot do. Like, yeah. I if I got somebody pregnant, right? I couldn't even tell them to get this, that, and the other. I could say I would want them to get an abortion or not get an abortion, but that is their choice. 100%. I don't get a say in that. Yeah, exactly. Now whether I want them to or don't want them to, I can't make them do that. And so that's exactly what they're trying to do, and it blows my mind. And it's not going to get rid of abortions. No. it's They're going to happen. It's just going to be less safe 
and more detrimental to the life of the actual mother who is trying to abort the baby but can't do it because the state that she lives in, all the surrounding states also outlaw it. So it's having to either get it done in some back alleyway in your own state or a neighboring state or have to like spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to go somewhere else in the country to do it, which is also not fair in my opinion either. So I don't know, man. It just it's frustrating for me to see this because everyone has their beliefs, everyone has their moral code that they abide by. But I should not have to abide by somebody else's moral code. I'm a human fucking being. I can make my own goddamn choices. Mm-hmm. I am not imposing my will onto other people. Stop trying to fucking impose yours on mine or somebody else. Yeah. And it's not even like that, okay, well, that's also their moral code is that abortions are bad. Okay. So having an abor- having abortions as a possibility is infringing on their moral code. That argument is complete horseshit. Right. Because in no way is the option of it being there infringing upon anything of yours. Yeah. And it can go you to can other s- things too, like yeah. the transphobia and homophobia. It's just my choices – Sure, they might irritate you, but those options do not have an effect on you. All it, all it has an effect on you is now you have the choice to say yes or no. If you're going to say no in the first place, just fucking say no. It's not there for you. Right. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, some people don't like country music like me. Right. I'm not going to say outlaw country music because I hate it. Right. It's like mind your own fucking business, let people live their life, and just do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, I fucking hate people. All right. Yeah, let's get away from that one. Move on to the next storyline here is that um, apparently it seems to be that as Trump was president and he was witnessing a BLM protest in the Capitol. um, Yeah. Outside of the White House gates that he made a statement of basically... Yeah, so. Can't we just, like, shoot these people to get rid of them? Yeah, so I broke this one down. Um, former Defense Secretary Mike Esper was writing a memoir. Um, he confirms reports that during civil unrest from the BLML, BLM protests that Trump suggested invoking the Insurrection Act that would put U.S. troops on the streets and stop violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a quote from the memoir that said, the president red-faced and complaining loudly about the protesters underway in Washington, D.C. So he was frustrated about this happening. Um, so then he goes on to say, can't you just shoot him? Just shoot them in the legs or something, Trump asked, according to the former defense secretary. Which, by what? the way, is something that you – that I've said in action movies, right? It's like, oh, the perp is running away. Why don't you just shoot him in the legs? Like right. That is such non-real bullshit. Of one, not only are they have the legal right to demonstrate and protest their up their uh, them being upset with what's happening in society, but also as you as the sitting president looking outward and obviously not agreeing with their opinion and being like, "Hey, I don't want them there. Can we just like shoot them to get rid of them? Like we don't have to kill them. Just shoot them in the legs, put, strike some fear into them, and then they'll leave." That's what rubber bullets are for. Rubber bullets in itself already do enough damage. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But you're talking about actual metal calibers. Let me emphasize this. The president of the United States Mm -hmm. is suggesting 
to stop people from expressing their First Amendment right, yep. one of the most sovereign ones that the right is bitching and moaning about right now, to shoot them with actual bullets to get them to leave. First of all, if you shoot them with actual bullets, you they won't leave right then and there. Yeah. Because they have a fucking bullet in their leg. Secondly, that's just going to cause more problems for you. Like, the dude's moronic, man. Like, the fact that he even said that is mind-blowing. I thought it was interesting that Mark Esper went on to say from this article that we're, we're looking at that he says, the good news, this wasn't a difficult decision. Um, the bad news, I had to figure out a way to walk Trump out of this without creating a mess that I would have to try to avoid. Yeah, I mean, no no person in their right mind would have been like, yeah, okay, yeah, no, 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 I'm still right, yeah, in their right mind, yeah. would be like, yeah, let's do this. So, obviously, the decision in the Oval Office was pretty simple. Well, well probably, probably shouldn't do that. Not yeah. a good idea. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact that he had to find a good way to reel him back in, oh, my God. It's like talking to a toddler. Dude, like, George Bush, not the greatest president, like, junior, not the greatest president, but even him, not, he wouldn't have said this. Like, it, it just shows how bad... The far right has gotten in controlling everything. Oh yeah, you know. Oh, but if people God. people in his fan base or um, political groupings, the extreme far right would read this and be like, "Oh, you know, that is a good idea. Why don't we do that?" Oh yeah. So for him and his uh, base, it's not out of pocket, but yeah. still bad shit, crazy. I know. Last political thing we have before we move on. Um, my favorite senator, Marjorie House, Taylor Greene. House member. God damn House it. representative member. Why do I keep doing that? Yeah. Whatever. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Anyway. MTG. She, uh, she got treated at a uh, GOP debate um, at a Republican primary candidate, Seth, I think it's Sinstaline. Sounds it, about right. Yeah. He ripped into Marjorie Taylor Greene's record. Um, the quote from there is, let me find it. There we go. Um, we're all here because we have concerns about the seat. See, you brought contract, uh, see, you bought contractor stock before railing against profitable wars. Your words and actions are consistently inconsistent. No bill you've authorized has passed and you have no power, uh, no committee power to advocate for this district without resorting to rhetoric about democratic boogeymen. Uh, Biden and the woke left answered this. He continued, can you tell us one or two specific objectives that affect your wallets, that affect our wallets, that you can actually pass and explain how you plan to get it done without being guaranteed a committee assignment? Um, so I read that and I was very interested because someone's actually challenging her. Yeah, um, unlike her actual legislative ability. Like, right. We understand that you can spew bullshit. Can you do anything, though? Exactly. Yeah. Um, she defended purchasing the stocks by saying she didn't know about the trade until she read the newspaper. So she was he she was getting away from getting slapped with insider trading. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm convinced insider trading happens all the time in Washington, but it, people never yeah, get it. 100%. 100%. But that's another topic. Um, she talked about how there is radical destruction and Republicans aren't getting anything done. Then she went on and said... Uh, when the Republicans win back the House, she is guaranteed committee assignments 
Uh, and she said that Kevin McCarthy in leadership said that to her. Yeah. So that's interesting in itself. Um, and so then he responds saying, that's too big an if. Voting for Miss Green is a gamble, and she's not guaranteed committee power. She's not even accountable for her own tweets and her staff's. We're still not clear on who is acting on our district's behalf, so how can anyone expect her to bring accountability to Washington? Her only leadership trait right now is rallying people against an enemy, he added, a little and little to none of what she has just what she just said encourages business in our district and fights out of control inflation. So this guy, instead of attacking her personally, which I think is a very smart move, he's attacking her credibility and yeah. her record in Washington. And he's saying, what you're doing is just saying a bunch of things that have no grasp on anything. And it's catching people's attention and getting them to think the way you think, but it's not actually doing anything for your constituents to benefit them. Yeah, which is your whole job. You're here to represent your um, electorate, the people that put you there, oh. and to, on their behalf, try to get at least some type of laws passed that will benefit them. Oh, this guy and, was so smart, man. And here you are, two years in, no bill that you've co-signed or wanted has ever been passed. You're not even on a committee because they don't trust you to be on a committee. And you're only really being in the position that you're in now to further yourself financially, it seems like. So can you please give me examples of what you would actually do when you're, if you're reelected, of what you can do to help people? And she's like, uh. Oh, she, <laughs> just, she just skirted around it. But God, this so guy is so smart. That is smart. It's, it's literally and, and calling her out. And it's also good to see that there are people on the right who are seeing this bullshit. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, man. So, yeah. We'll move on from politics. I, I'll be a lot less feisty now. <laughs> um, with at least some social events that has happened recently, the biggest one that I could see of this last week was, I think it was last Sunday, um, there was, uh, Dave Chappelle was hosting an event at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, and uh, where a fan, I wouldn't even say a fan, some crazed lunatic ran up on stage and then attacked him. Not so much of like actually laid... He tackled him. He tackled him, yeah. They both fell to the ground. And then he, the uh, assailant ran off to the back where then he was grabbed by Dave Chappelle's men. And Chappelle confirmed, he's like, oh no, he's getting his ass beat back there. And then if you see the photo, I can't remember if it's on this article or not, his arm was bent completely up the wrong way. So he fucking got his arm busted, which is awesome. But the uh, L.A. police uh, pulled off a weapon from him, which was a knife, but it was concealed in a gun. Yeah. It's, it looked so interesting. It looked like it was a spring-loaded. Yeah. yeah. I've seen them before. So it's kind of a weird thing that um, I think ever since the – Will Smith slap, I think people have become a little bit more emboldened to be like, well, I don't like this person or this comedian. He, he was up on stage doing a little bit of a bit, and then he gets up there and he gets assaulted. So I think a lot of people were right about how this opened up a can of worms with Will Smith walking up on stage having basically, he did have repercussions, but, you know, actually assaulting someone live on TV um, seemed to have had a negative impact. 
Right. And this isn't anything new. Like, it's been building for a while, but I think that was definitely a catalyst. Yeah. Um, other kind of just news stories um, that happened without the last week. There was a Florida man, surprise, surprise, Florida God, man. Gotta love Florida man. Uh, <laughs> was forced to write a paper for him defacing an LGBTQ plus kind of, wasn't a memorial? Mural. Yeah, it's like a mural um, where at this certain uh, intersection in Florida, they had uh, painted the pride flag along with the trans flag. And I don't know if it was a little bit of the bi flag colors in it as well. Um, but basically, he was doing burnouts on it. And it was a new memorial or mural that the city actually commissioned to be done. So it's defacing public property. Oh, nice. Um, and the judge has not come out with a sentence yet for his actual um, charges. They're saying that he's being charged with criminal mischief and reckless driving. Um, so they don't actually know what the fine would be on top of writing the paper or anything. Um, but the judge said that he wants him to write a 25-page essay on specifically the Pulse nightclub shooting that happened in Florida. Good. And it's 49 victims um, that died in that shooting. Um, the guy claimed that he was only doing it to kind of be seen among the group of people that he was with. Not necessarily that he was basically doing it because, oh, my friends are here. I'm going to do this. So it's what he's saying. Even though he has a Trump flag waving out of his truck. Weird. It's, yeah, it's just kind of stupid stuff. But I thought that was a very interesting thing. You don't hear a judge saying like, hey, you have homework. Not only, right. not home, only am I not done on what I'm going to do for your sentencing for the crimes that you've committed, I'm going to have you do homework. You're going to write a 25-page paper, and you're going to give it to me. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um, three more articles. I'm just going to go through them pretty quick just because they're pretty small and just interesting. Um, so a man calls the police on his mother-in-law. Okay? Here's the reason why. <laughs> so a man lost his wife minutes after giving birth to their child, um, and so he had to take work off to find – a nanny. Mm-hmm. So his 56-year-old mother-in-law, the mother of the deceased mother, offered to watch the kid for free. He's, he eventually agreed. Um, then he started to realize his baby, his baby was getting less formula than normal. So when he asked his mother-in-law about it, she said that she was trying to breastfeed the child. Um, he told her to stop, and she said she did until he walked in on her, forcing the child to try to latch onto her. Mm-hmm. So he kicked her out, hired a nanny. And then she showed up for about two days, and then she stopped coming. So when he called the nanny, he asked why she wasn't there. And she said that his mother had uh, fired her. He then realized that it was his mother-in-law, and he confronted her about it. And then she said that he hired an incompetent nanny and that she was going to call Child Protective Services. He kicked her out, called the cops, and then ended up calling Child Protective Services on her. Mm-hmm. The family of the mother-in-law admitted that what she did was wrong, but was mad at the guy for having her arrested. Oh, yeah. I I read this, too, and it was like, even the deceased mother's siblings were upset with the mom of, like, why the fuck are you trying to breastfeed this baby and you keep firing nannies? But also being upset of the um, widow 
of like, or to widower. Yeah. Of like, you probably shouldn't have called the cops on her mom. Oh, dude, I would have fucking called the cops in a heartbeat. I would have too. That's kind of fucked up. Not only are you firing the nannies that are trying to take care of your uh, grandchild, but then now you're also trying to breastfeed it. And you're 56. old. Yeah. Like, no. Well, when you're not pregnant, the, the amount of time that it takes for a woman to start producing milk when they're not pregnant is a very long time. So this baby was not getting the right nutrients. Yeah. Oh, dude, I would have been so fucking pissed. Okay. I don't know what I would have done, but I would have lost my shit. Mm-hmm. I know that for a fact. Moving on. Um, <laughs> this one is so bad. We had just talked about Sexual Assaults Awareness Month. I think two weeks ago. Yep, two weeks ago. Um, so this kind of coincides with that. A 39-year-old German woman was found guilty of sexual assault for poking holes in the condoms of her 42-year-old friends with benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, she developed feelings for this guy when he did not. And so she started poking holes in his condoms to get pregnant and to learn him to stay. She eventually told him what she did when she thought she was pregnant. Turns out she wasn't. And so the court agreed that there was something wrong, but they didn't know what to file against her. So they eventually filed what was called stealthing, which is a term that describes the act of a man removing his condom during sex without consent. Um, I find this very fascinating because you don't hear a lot about sexual assault from women. Um, And the article goes on to talk a little bit more about how stealthing in particular – it changes the consent act in the middle of something. So then it can not be consent right then and there. I consented to safe, protected sex. It is no longer that. And so this is the same kind of thing where you are doing something without somebody's knowledge and then trying to get something out of it. It's just, I find that fascinating. So I think she got like a six month sentence or something like that, but good to know that women can be, um, prosecuted as well for that. It's just, it that blows my mind. Um, and then last but not least, my idiot of the week that I've seen, <laughs> some dumbass flew from San Diego to Chicago. Everything was fine. Then they land on the tarmac. They're riding into their gate. He opens the emergency exit, walked onto the wing of the plane, and then jumps on the tarmac. He's taken into custody. Why? I don't know what would possess you to do something like that. Of like, you know what? Fuck it. You're right. <laughs> like this seems fun. I, no, or we're not rolling up fast enough. I think I can beat the plane to the gate. What were you thinking? I don't think a lot of people quite understand that ever since 9/11 in this country, airplane security and then airport security has just gone complete bonkers. Obviously, in a lot of good ways. Um, but this being like, are you fucking dumb? (laughs) Like you, okay. Yeah. You, okay. You got your plane ride. You went from where you wanted to where you need to be. I get it. Why are you opening the door? I have no idea. Walking out on the wing again on the tarmac. Fucking dumb. I love ending news with something stupid. So let's just move on to entertainment to keep it fun and lighthearted. Yeah. So we talked Maybe last, last week, week. week uh, that we were going to be watching the new Batman movie and then kind of give our thoughts on it. Obviously, it's been out for a while now. Uh, we just had the idea that maybe we should actually watch it and give it a quick review of it. So we watched it together. Um, 
it is and feels exactly as long as it is, basically three hours. Um, I'm going to let you tell me some of your thoughts first. Yeah, I, I have – I made a pro-con list. Um, so before I get my pro-con list, I'll just say my first thoughts is it's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, so my pros for it was that I liked the villain, the Riddler. I liked the fact that they, wa- they weren't buff or macho, but it was just some – crazed nerdy dude okay so it, it was interesting to who was also an orphan right and um views the discrepancy between you know bruce wayne being an orphan and him being an orphan drastically different right um so i, I thought the way that they portrayed that was interesting in the actor that they chose yep um i liked how some of the scenes were shot uh some of the camera angles and the focuses it was dark Throughout most well, of the movie of like how the scenes were. Yeah, that is Batman. Um, but even in Christian Bale's Batman, a lot of the scenes weren't like... You could definitely tell between where Batman was being portrayed and then Bruce Wayne. There's a completely different color contrast yeah. between the two. This was all no matter what. It mm-hmm. was very darkly lit, which was great. It looked beautiful. Yeah, I just I liked how some of the focuses were on different shots just to focus on different things. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it did add to it um i thought the fight choreography was awesome um and actually building off of that the sounds of the fight choreography i thought were really good because i mean obviously back in the day you had that for the fights but this one was like hard hitting sounds like you're actually getting hit yeah so i liked that and then i was actually a huge fan of the costume design for pretty much everybody but then my cons were a little bit more um did not need to be three hours long no, um, there were definitely some scenes I also felt where it's like, this is dragging or what is the point of this part right, right. now? Um, I thought it was very predictable, not in the fact that I knew exactly what was going to happen, but it was, there wasn't really any plot twists and I could kind of guess what was just about to happen next. Um, they tried having plot twists. It didn't work. But they kept going back on it. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, the casting was a hit and a miss. Um, like the ones that I thought were good were the Batman Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman. The main characters I thought were cast well. Yeah. Pretty much a miss on everyone else. Um, And touching on one big one is uh, I like Andy Serkis a lot. uh, But him being Alfred to me made no sense because of how young Andy looks compared to Robert. Like, this dude is supposed to be older than your dad. And he looks like he could be your your, dad. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe like an older friend of yours. Mm -hmm. So. I wasn't a huge fan of that one. Also, he wasn't in it for terribly long. No. He had a few scenes, and that was really about it. So it's like I don't, I'm not getting that Alfred dynamic with Batman. Yeah, um, I thought the car chase scene was way too long. Um, and then my last issue with it was like too many endings toward the end of the movie that were really anticlimactic. Yes. And that were just super quick. Mm-hmm. It was like one ending after another, after another, after another, within a five-minute time span that we're like, okay. Yeah. But then I liked and disliked how it was a standalone film with no background on Batman. Like, you didn't get an origin story. Because uh, we all know the same origin story. It changes up a little bit from here and there. But yeah. I, I liked and disliked it because you could just watch it and know it's a Batman movie. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It wasn't my favorite movie, but it was okay. Yeah. Probably wouldn't watch it again, but whatever. 
some of my biggest gripes with it is just kind of like the overall storyline of it. I mean, like I said, and what you've mentioned too, there are just points of the movie where it's like, why is this here? They tried having a plot twist um, where it was the two different mob families in the in Gotham who are trying to compete for overall power and influence of the police and the mayor and stuff within the city. And then you're told, oh, well, your father had to do with the assassination of a, a newspaper reporter that it's this guy, not this guy. Okay, well, then you go find out, oh, he's all mad about that. Perfect. We're moving this way. And then he goes to see Alfred, and Alfred wakes up from being attacked with a bomb. And the first thing that he says to him is like, you lied to me. And then they go into that, and Alfred's like, no, 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 it's actually this. So you take a complete, like, whoop. Yeah, just in 10 minutes. And straight over. It's not like you're no longer moving on that story path anymore. You're just... Whoop, over here to where you could have been the whole time and you didn't need to be there Yeah, it, to take that. It was just strange. Um, and the final kind of climactic ending part where Batman's trying to save the mayor and people from Gotham flooding, um, the part where he sees that there's uh, electric wire about to go into the water and it would shock and kill people. He decides to make it shorter by jumping on it and then cutting it off where he's at and then falling into the water. Well, shortly before that, he is shot basically point blank with a double barrel shotgun, basically knocks him unconscious for a little bit. And you think that he's okay. Well, he's either done with fighting in this scene or he's just going to maybe die. He's obviously not going to die because what's the point of having Batman die? So it's like, okay, well, that's going to be an end of the fight scene. Nope, he wakes up from taking a shot of adrenaline goes in, does the whole electrical thing. You're like, okay, well, now he's going to be knocked out because he just took voltage directly to him by cutting the line. Falls into the water. You're like, okay, scene's over with. No, it continues on where he is now going to have to be like, oh, I'm the savior. I'm hope. I'm going to lead them out of the whatever dome that they're in. It's like the whole thing is just like pick one or the other. It's either he's getting knocked out from a sawed-off shotgun or he's getting knocked out by getting shocked by voltage. We don't need to have both. Also, the ending of when you find out the Riddler is going to become best friends with the Joker, that is the worst Joker laugh I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> and no offense to the actor that plays him, because he's been in other movies that are good, and I'm sure he's a really good actor. That laugh sucked ass. Yeah, we, we talked about it when we were watching it, and we made fun of a couple things. It. I've heard really good things about it, and I didn't think it lived up to the hype that I heard. But yeah, it was it was all right. Oh, and the way that they made Gordon, yeah, just so dumb. It it, it didn't seem right. Of the, like the acting by Gordon was one of my issues. It's just like it wasn't good. And I think that's based on the writing. Yeah, I don't. Did. I don't think that actor because I like him too. Um, didn't play Gordon bad. It's just that the writing that was done was just god awful. Yeah, so we'll move on to another thing in entertainment. We talked about how the Love and Thunder, Thor Love and Thunder trailer had come out. We've been pushing this off, so we'll talk about our our views on it. I'll let you go first since I just went first. Um, I'm a Marvel slut, so I'm excited for this. Um, I don't think there's really too many Marvel movies that I haven't liked. 
Um, I would consider that I've enjoyed pretty much all of them, no matter how bad they actually are. I do realize that I've made uh, some trash talk on what the original Thor was and how it looked bad, but it's still kind of a good action movie, good Marvel movie. Um, this one, I think, is good. It has a very, like, redemption arc of Thor not wanting to be his warmonger self or at least looking for some type of solution or a solution to a problem by using his fists. He's in the trailer, says he's going to try to be more peaceful. I obviously know that's not going to work. He's going to have to resort to his violent phase at some point again. But... Um, the story of them being with the Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, will be interesting to see. A um, couple of new worlds that we get to be in. Uh, looks like they're going to be visiting um, the Greek gods, which should be pretty cool. Um, and then as well as the ending of where we get to see um, Jane Foster as the new Thor, quote-unquote, with Molnir, And it's the broken one, too, if you notice that. So I think that'll be pretty cool to see. Oh uh, yeah, my my touching points on it was you're you're gonna laugh at this first one. I didn't like the fact that they chose Sweet Child of Mine for the music. I just thought it was stupid. I thought it was good. I know you did. Taika Waititi, um, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love Taika Waititi. Um, it just looks like a movie of nothing. Um, it's probably supposed to be about self discovery, and it probably will be. But to me, it looks like it's going nowhere. Uh, Marvel is probably trying to keep some things from us, so I get that. Um. But to me, it just it looks flat. Um, I love Marvel too. I've seen every single thing that they've produced since Iron Man. Um, but it just it looks okay. I, I will still go see it without a doubt. But to me, it just kind of looks boring. It, I mean, it doesn't give you the actual like what the villain is. I mean, I know. Who, I think that's the point. I know who the villain is because it's been leaked. And I don't. It's, it's been talked about. Gore, the God Butcher. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Where yeah. Christian Bale will yeah. be playing him, so I think that'll I think that'll be cool. Obviously, they just didn't include any of that mm-hmm. in the trailer from and what I saw. Actually, I did put in my notes that I did notice that Jane was wielding the broken one. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. But yeah, to me, it looks okay. I'll still see it because that's what I do. But it it doesn't look like it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, not all of them can be hits. No. All right. We're going to move on to the bad movie plot guesses. It's my turn to stump him this week after I went over five. Oh, my. And I feel really bad <laughs> for how I treated you last week. Uh, yeah, I'm just a nice guy. So we'll see if you can get some of these because I'm pretty sure you've seen four out of five of these. Okay. Potential for a fifth. First one. Guy learns to love a girl without her Instagram filter. A guy learns to love a girl without her Instagram filter. Oh. God, I don't know. Shrek. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, number two. Paranoid billionaire is afraid of an immigrant. This isn't like Donald Trump's story, <laughs> is it? No, it's not his memoir. Okay. Billionaire's afraid of an immigrant. God, I don't know that one either. Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah. Never watched it. I've heard it was terrible. It was bad. Okay. So you have seen, Mm -hmm. you probably have seen all of these then. Third one, public transportation running ahead of schedule for once. Speed? Speed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, yeah. Running ahead of... I mean, they're actually... Yeah. I mean, there's no schedule at that point. At that point, no. There's a bomb and we can't go under 60 miles per hour or whatever it is. <laughs> All right. Fourth one. Bullied kid with birth defect proves that people are only nice when they need something. A kid with a birth defect only realizes that people are nice when they need something? Hmm. The Goonies? Nope. Oh, Ooh, that's that's a good one though. Yeah. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Last one. Immigrant adoptee is repatriated to the country of birth, experiences culture shock and prejudice. Oh. I don't. You actually love this movie. Do I love it? Yes, you do. So it's a movie where someone is sent back to where they were supposed, not supposed to. Where they were born. Where they were born, and they get massive culture shock. And they receive prejudice. Oh, I don't know. We've talked about it on this podcast. Oh, have we? Elf. Oh. (laughs) He doesn't... Oh. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm thinking we... of it of the fact of like, yeah, he was born in New York, goes to the North Pole, and then comes back, and that's where he receives the prejudice. I was flipping it that... the other way of like, oh, no, he wasn't being you at least persecuted got one, in though. the North Pole. So that's exciting. Yeah, I did get one. Okay. Uh, last but not least, we're going to go ahead and touch on our unpopular opinions, go to this day in history and wrap it up because we're going a little bit later today. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so unpopular opinions. Yeah, I guess I'll go go first. first. Um, both of ours are about things being overrated. We'll just get that out of the way now. Yep. Mine is that I think Nirvana is overrated. Okay. Well, Kurt Cobain would disagree. Well, he doesn't get that choice (laughs) and he made that choice. So (laughs) there's that. I don't know. Like I, I listened to the music and it definitely started, um, it, it was obviously grunge music and it definitely started, the industry of what I love. I love heavy metal. I love screamo, new metal, all that kind of stuff. So I understand the importance of Nirvana. I'm not going to be naive to that, but I don't think their music's that great. Their sound is good, but I just don't like it. Like, okay. And maybe this is another unpopular one, but it attaches to it. I also don't like Metallica. I think their music's awesome. I'm not a big fan of Metallica either, but their lead singer sucks. That's one of the biggest reasons why I hate Metallica. Nirvana, I just, I don't like it. I just really don't. And there's no really good reason for it. I just, I'm not a fan of it, and I think they're overrated. Hmm. Everyone talks about how great Nirvana is. I'm like, all right, I guess, sure. So that's just me. All right. I disagree with you a little bit on that. I figured you would. But. This one, yours, I wholeheartedly disagree with you on. This is one of the few that we actually disagree on. Uh, For both. You're right. (laughs) Um, My unpopular opinion is that I think, and again, if there's any Midwest people that are listening to this besides just our uh, closest friends who are just paying us service, um, I think ranch is overrated. You are so fucking wrong. But I want to hear your reasoning. Because it's only really good with one food category, fried food. And that's it. Um, it's not consistent. I mean, you can buy it at a store and it's consistent. But like if you the store-bought stuff compared to if you go to a restaurant and get it, some restaurants ranch is okay, some are shit, and some are pretty decent and good. Um, some are more liquidy than others, some are more 
chunky and thicker than others. Um, if you get a ranch that's chunky and thick, you are not eating ranch. You're eating something completely different. I don't know what that is. Store-bought ranch is thick. Maybe not chunky, but it's thick. Okay, that's just a deal with having more mayo. Like, literally, if you want ranch thicker, add more fucking mayonnaise and you're good to go. It's, But the fact that it's not consistent means that it's an overrated item. Bro, any time you go somewhere to a restaurant and they make their own sauce or dressing, it's not consistent compared to what you buy in the store because guess what? It's not processed in the same place. But even if you go to a different restaurant and get different things, right, it's not consistent. Yeah, because restaurants homemade. do things differently. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's that's what makes it overrated, right? No. Like I can get um, – if let's say you go to – where's the favorite place you like to get ranch? Oh, there's a couple places around here. Texas Roadhouse has really good ranch. Okay. A little bit of bias there, but that's okay. Well, it is good. <laughs> so The bias is because I used to work at Texas Roadhouse for yeah, the people listening. Yeah. So let's put it this way then. Um, what's your favorite dish to get at Texas Roadhouse? Okay, I see where you're going with the okay, the chicken, the chicken strips. Chicken strips. They okay. have really good chicken strips. Okay, now if you go and get the same chicken strips at any Texas Roadhouse location, and it's only good three out of ten times, does that make it overrated? It depends on how people are blowing it up. It would be overrated because it's no longer as good as what it's supposed to be. If it is, if you're getting it, the same thing at different locations, they're supposed to be have the exact same thing, but it's not as good at each place, and it's the same food item. Well, the difference it's is, overrated. I see what you're saying, <laughs> but the, the difference is, is that there's no set recipe for ranch. There's the same base, okay? You have the same base to make stuff, yeah. But if you alter it a little bit to go to what you want it to, it's not going to be the same. There's no set thing that says this is exactly how you make ranch because any ranch recipe you look online, there's going to be something different. But you it think? all has the same base. I know this because I've looked it up to try to make my own. It's not the same everywhere you go. And when you made it on your own, was it good? I haven't made it on my own yet because oh. it's a lot. Like this, it's. I would have to shrink down the recipe size, and I don't want to do that because that's a lot of mental. Ma- yeah. To me, the fact that if you were to get it at different places and it's not consistent, even if you were to get it from a restaurant that makes it homemade or from a store, it's overrated. Okay. Um, this it's is also, the last it's, thing. It's also not good on salads. Okay. And See, it has a very strange smell. This is the last thing I will say, and it actually goes against what you had just said. You said ranch is only good on fried food. That's a fucking lie. Ranch is good on fried food. It is good on pizza. It is good it's on not salad. Good on pizza. It's it not is not good on salad. It is. You can dip chips in it, and it's still good. There is not n- really. Yes, you can. There's nothing you can't really put ranch on. Chips is fried food, by the way. Just to throw that out. There. <laughs> it's just. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> you just named two things in the same category. Okay. Well, and it's not good on pizza. It is good it on pizza. it sucks with vegetables. It's not really even that good. It is good with vegetables. Why do you think we get ranch dip with vegetables? You've done that with me before. Yeah. And I don't necessarily enjoy it. That's because that's really the only option that they have. Okay. Well, we'll agree to disagree. Other sauces are better, <laughs> in my opinion. All right. Okay. All right. So... This day in history, um, May 8th, starting back at the most recent, going to the furthest away, 
1984, the USSR states that they are boycotting the Olympic Games, which were being held in Los Angeles. Um, they were retaliating the U.S. boycott that happened four years earlier in the 1980 Olympic Games that were held in Moscow. Um, in 1970, the Beatles released their last album, Let It Be, shortly after the band had already broken up when Paul McCartney went solo. Um, three years before that, in 1967, Muhammad Ali is indicted for refusing to serve in the U.S. military um, due to his religious and, uh, I'm trying to think of, nonviolent relationship with war, didn't want to serve in a war that he felt like he would not, one, be actually serving his country and not having the same rights as African Americans. That's a conscientious objector, isn't it? That's what it is. Yep, conscientious objector. Um. 1945, Victory in Europe, or VE Day, is declared, um, which is celebrating the defeat of Nazi Germany in World War II. And then for celebrity birthdays, we have David Attenborough, so the famous documentarian that does voiceovers for different planet documentaries. Um, Harry S. Truman, former president of the United States, uh, and Don Rickles, actor-comedian as well as the basketball player Kimba Walker all have birthdays today. And I realize half of these people are dead. <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. So uh, David Attenborough is up there, though. Uh, previewing next week, um, we're going to be talking about our governor, Kim Reynolds, and some secret meetings she had in Marion, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably touch on a moral dilemma of whether or not weed should be legal or not. Um we're going to touch on something dealing with the GOP like normal. Um, so I'll just leave that a secret. But then we're also in sports going to be touching on the second round of the NBA uh, playoffs and then how the first round of the NHL playoffs are. And just letting you know right now, I'm pretty sure everyone is tied. Well, not tied, but everyone is either two and one at some point. So, yep. I'll keep that updated for you guys this coming week. And with that, I'll leave closing remarks to my boy. All right. Well, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Um, please follow us. We do have a Twitter. I I guess I probably should give you the login code, so if you want to do anything on it, you can. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, but it's uh, at DetentionPod1 on Twitter, so you can follow us there, send us direct messages, or see what things we're posting throughout the week. Um, you can also send us an email at detentionpodcast1 at gmail.com. Um, you can send us your thoughts on the week's episode or any segments you want us to cover, different issues that you think are interesting to listen. Um, if you uh, know how to help us with YouTube, let <laughs> us know because we need help. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to see if we can move on to YouTube. I, that's going to be a problem for the down the road, I think. Um, as well as you can listen to us, uh, the Tension Podcast, on either Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Yep, thank you very much.